This theatrical version of The Adventures of Augie March at the Court Theatre perhaps serves to illustrate why the popular novel by Chicago and Saul Bellow has never before been adapted to the stage. The storyline basically follows everyman hero Augie March, played by Patrick Mulvey, as he meanders aimlessly through life, allowing the people he meets to shape his journey. In this way, Bellow suggests the arbitrariness of life and perhaps a cautionary tale of the dangers of undefined goals. This is Reno Lovison, executive producer at Chicago Broadcasting Network and theater reviewer for ChicagoTheaterAndArts.com. Chicago Broadcasting Network is not only theater reviews. We also create and share podcasts and videos related to events, people, history, and other content about Chicago and of interest to people who love the city. Go to ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com to subscribe and be notified when new content is added. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podomatic, or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Just search Chicago Broadcasting Network. Stand by to listen to the rest of this theater review for the world premiere of The Adventures of Augie March after about 30 seconds of our theme song, Foster Avenue Beach, by Scatterplot. The play opens in the Atlantic Ocean, presumably near the Canary Islands, with Augie and his maniacal companion floating in a lifeboat after the sinking of their merchant ship. The story of Augie's Odyssey begins in a flashback of his youth in the 1930s Depression era, crowded apartment he shares with his mother, two brothers, and an overbearing Russian Jewish grandmother. Along the way, Augie meets an odd assortment of characters, which is one of the hallmarks of Bellow's writings, as he reveled in the peculiarities and idiosyncrasies of humanity. Actor Luigi Sotillo was convincingly conflicted as Brother Simon, and Travis Turner thoughtfully portrayed their intellectually challenged brother George. Cheyenne Cross was wonderfully engaging as the rebellious socialite Thea, who encourages Augie to live a different reality, and Brittany Love Smith totally channeled the petty gangsterous billiard hall manager Dingbat. The story continues through post-World War II, but the material seems dated rather than historical. The play includes one beautifully sung Sabbath prayer song, as well as a smattering of recorded background music. There are also a few modern dance numbers and a significant amount of interesting stylized movements by Aaron Cole Murray, which unfortunately, though, altogether seemed well-conceived but haphazard. Bellow's chaotic style, when published in 1953, no doubt had a cutting-edge freshness that this production lacks. I couldn't help thinking that I've seen most of these minimal effect theatrical techniques before. My resulting impression was that this seemed like an idea that Pulitzer Prize winning playwright David Auburn has been thinking about for decades that he's finally been able to realize. This is further exacerbated by what seems to be a decision by director Charles Newell to stage this as a period piece that would be perfectly comfortable and even provocative to a 1960s audience. Twelve identical wooden chairs and four sturdy tables were rearranged as needed to set each scene. 
These were expertly manipulated by the cast, demonstrating that Newell is comfortable with this genre of stagecraft. The scenic and lighting design by John Colbert had a simple elegance, featuring an imposing steel-riveted proscenium arch evocative of an iconic Chicago elevated structure or river bridge. His use of light and fog, creating streaming canopies of light, helped to focus attention to various areas, giving a sense of place on an otherwise bare stage. Sally DeLembo's costume design had a conceptual, generic quality that fit the aesthetic vision. The dress worn by Augie's lover, Thea, that used a long wrapping sash which interestingly transformed the garment from dress to gown, was a stroke of brilliance. The use of silhouettes and shadow puppetry by Manual Cinema Studios was very effective, particularly in the boxing sequence, and the audience was delighted by the eagle and imagery of the iguana hunt, even if it did go on a bit too long. The printed program failed to mention that this show has three acts, leaving a portion of the audience somewhat perplexed at the abrupt ending of Act Two. Bellow's psychological and philosophical musings are no doubt interesting to read, but present a significant challenge as theatrical dialogue or even soliloquy. Augie's theme, which defines his character, is repeated three times throughout the play, as the hero struggles to explain his existence. I am an American, Chicago-born. Chicago, that somber city. And go at things as I've taught myself freestyle. And will make the record in my own way. First to knock, first admitted. Sometimes an innocent knock, sometimes not so innocent. But a man's character is his fate, says Heraclitus. And in the end, there isn't any way to disguise the nature of the knocks, by acoustical work on the door or gloving the knuckles. This paragraph lends itself more to poetry than prose, and requires some time to ponder, which the theater does not necessarily provide. There are other instances of ponderous phrases that may have been effortlessly consumed by the more erudite audience members. But I believe a play should be easily understood by the general theater-going public to be viable. Auburn's decision to give voice to the voiceless by having two mute characters spontaneously express themselves verbally was one of the more provocative innovations. But there's little time to really appreciate what they have to say, and it's ultimately lost in the overall hectic atmosphere. I couldn't help comparing this play to one of my favorite films, Slumdog Millionaire, in which the protagonist, Jamal, reviews random incidents in his life which are each related to questions he's being asked on a game show. As he recalls each incident, he finds related answers to the question. Like Augie, Jamal reviews his life's journey, which is similarly replete with a rogues gallery of offbeat and marginalized characters, though Jamal's story is based on the randomness of the game show questions. So each of them end up recalling their coming-of-age story in a somewhat chaotic fashion, but Slumdog utilizes the conceit of the game show to give form to the production. This is exactly what this production of Augie March is lacking, some kind of thread that ties it all together. This world premiere performance of The Adventures of Augie March utilized an outstanding ensemble of actors led by Patrick Mulvey, who with athletic stamina employed Herculean effort to drag this burdensome three-and-a-half-hour production to the finish line. As a video producer, I understand that sometimes the problem with a labor of love is that it becomes difficult to edit due to a reluctance to make the tough cuts. Also, when you have an idea in your mind for a long time, it's hard to let go of your initial plan. This world premiere production of The Adventures of Augie March 
has a lot of good ideas, but for me it just didn't come together as a unified whole, with a satisfactory ending presented in a fresh way. I liken this to a losing Cubs game, where the talented team is hitting the ball, getting on base, and even smacking a few home runs, but still loses. The fans may be amused at times, there are moments of greatness, but in the end there's a feeling of dissatisfaction and confusion. For this reason, I call this a somewhat recommend. The Adventures of Augie March is at the Court Theater, 5535 South Ellis Avenue, Chicago, through June 9th, 2019. Running time is a few minutes short of three and a half hours, with two intermissions. For tickets and other information, visit courttheater.org or call 773-753-4472. This is Reno Lovison, executive producer at chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com. To read this review and other Chicago theater reviews, visit chicagotheaterandarts.com. If you need web video production for your business or organization, check out renoweb.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share, follow, and like this review. Thanks to Scatterplot for the use of Foster Avenue Beach as our theme song. That's okay. We're going home.